You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. There we go. So welcome, everybody. Real Estate Radio Hour. <laughs> Andy and Chris, uh, we're here. Live as close to 7 a.m. as possible. Yeah, 7.30-ish, you know, right around 7-ish. But I tell you, what we're going to do is we are, um, because of uh, popular request, um, people have asked us to move the show a little later in the day. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to move it to possibly 8 o'clock. Um, we still want to do it in the morning. We still want to do it first thing. Um, but I know 7 o'clock was a lot of, getting the kids out of bed, feeding breakfast, uh, shower hour, you know, that kind of stuff. So we, uh, we thought we'd move it a little bit later here, but, uh, what, so what do you think about that? Mr. Rooney? I think that'd be fantastic. Whatever popular demand says. Yeah. So Chris Rooney home, uh, real estate, uh, guy from, what are you prior Lake somewhere down South, right? Well, remember, I live in Minnetonka. But oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you move around. I'm coming to you from Prior Lake. That doesn't look like Prior Lake, but it's uh, yeah today. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, and, and uh, I'm uh, coming to you live, live from uh, beautiful Champlain, where the windows are white, not uh, Caribbean like uh, what Rooney has there. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me how to do that. By the way, you're, yeah, you're welcome. You know so, what? So anyway, bud, what do you uh, what do you think, man? What's that? What are you thinking? What, uh, what's happening out there in real estate? I'm thinking hopefully we're going to get back to real work here pretty soon. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I just, you know, to me, I think everything is just seems so uh, slow. <laughs> I mean, and, and not necessarily, I think the real estate market's moving, but there's not a lot out there to move. And yep. so I think it's, uh, you know, it makes it different when you're not able to have like your model homes open. Uh, I think that's weird. You know, I know you guys deal with that a lot. You know, yep. your weekends seem a lot freer, but uh, I know you're constantly trying to figure out different ways in which to do stuff, as you know, a lot of us are. And I think a lot of this stuff's going to stick. You know, yeah. a lot of the good stuff is going to stick. And, you know, but I, I still don't think there's nothing takes place for getting out there and and, and seeing that home. And we're trying to do as, as good as we can. And, yeah. Uh, helping people, you know, that aren't feeling comfortable, but uh, getting back to, to normal will be a, a nice thing. Well, I, I can't agree more. I think the, you know, it, it's a, um, I know for sure the way we do business is changing permanently um, uh, with people having the desire to always look online and not meet to have that interpersonal connection, which, you know, for a lot of salespeople is going to be a huge disadvantage because, you know, a lot of the charm and the comfort and the other items that are projected onto a consumer from being in person for everything from the way that the person dresses to the what they say. And you don't have that same connection with a real estate agent um, when you're online as you do. And which which from the consumer's perspective might be preferred because they want to make a decision based on the house, not on the agent. And in the old days, a lot of times I think people would say, hey, I really like this agent and might decide to make a buying decision or, you know, hire somebody based on that first impression. And, uh, you know, it, it, so it's, it for sure is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, we're coming back. So 
Yeah, no, and I, I don't, and I'm not saying in a bad way. Change is good, bro. I mean, I, I sit there all the time and think about it, and I go, you know, um, I, I actually, I, I don't have two to three hours of drive time every day now. Um, I'm not wasting a bunch of uh, gasoline and cars and you know driving around. I mean, I've been uh, doing. I did it uh, two CMAs earlier this week where both of them were, um, you know, live on FaceTime, and so we were just like right on their phones. And we were talking and they were walking around the house and showing me, I said, Hey, can you uh, bring the camera down so I can see the condition of the floor? Can you, you know, show me that bottom of that windowsill. And I'm telling you, I, I felt like I viewed the home um, later in the week. We, well, we were hired. So we went out there and actually stopped by the house yesterday to drop off, you know, some, some of our, you know, I call it my starting kit um, lock boxes and whatever to get them ready for their photos. And, and I peeked in the door and I was like, man, this is exactly like, you know, we viewed it. And so whatever, I mean, and I don't mean to sound like I'm some kind of non-technology guy, but it is, it is something that um, I think is really cool. You know, it's very efficient. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think there's, there's some good practices that come out of uh, this time. I don't think, I think uh, like people not looking at the houses and everything virtual, that's just, I don't think that's, I mean, when you're able to do it, you do it, but I think people are going to get a lot more um, uh, detailed look, first impression uh, from online for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, and they're, they're even meeting these agents. Like we're so like, you were kind of starting out talking about like with some of the new construction and some of these new houses that were, um, that was an invisible drink, by the way, your your head disappeared. Um, The, uh, the, 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 what they call virtual open, right? So like, what is that? And so it, it's a case of where I've got my whole team um, trying this weekend on uh, Saturday or Sunday, their choice. I'm forcing us all out of our comfort zones. And I'm saying, listen, let's go out to these listings that we have. Um, let's go out to the open houses or the, excuse me, the, uh, the models that are open or the spec homes that are ready to go. And we're advertising a link so that you can click on like our zoom link, like here, and we're going to sit there for two hours. And, you know, so whatever's convenient from you, you know, or for you, click on the link and ask the questions, have us walk around the house, have us email you, have us do a share screen with you, whatever you want. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that turns out, yeah. you know, because I'm telling you, there's people out there and there, there's sure. people that want to buy and, and they're not, they understand what's going on in the world. And they understand this is, you know, a temporary fix. They understand that all of these economic woes that are starting to hit us has nothing to do with the normal economy that was happening. You know, it was, it was just us having a, okay, everybody, you got to lock up for a month and a half here or whatever it is. And then we'll let you back out of your cages. And I'm telling you, when people get out, I'm hoping that, you know, corporate America doesn't take advantage of this and, you know, like overlay people off thinking that this is a chance to cut all their fat, but who knows, you know, I don't, I don't, but I do, I know this, people are still looking um, credit rates though, um, money's a little harder, you know, uh, starting to get a little trickier to come by. So when you go to get your mortgage, they, they do like higher credit scores right now, for sure. That's changing a little bit. So, and that's because rates are so low, right? I mean, the lower the rates, the harder the money should be to get because they're giving it to you for free. So you should be credit worthy, you know? Um, anyway. Yeah. Risk versus reward. Let's get to those questions. We got questions. Oh yeah. All right. So let's, um, so what we're going to do here is we're going to do a uh, go back to the old uh, screen here. Let me click through. You can see everything, right, Chris? I can. 
Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> um, I cannot. Hang on a second. Let me get the, the uh, oh, there we go. Well, what we'll do is, so what questions um, we're going to jump onto here? We're going to have to go old school, um, go the long way to get there. There we go. Okay. So question number one, um, I have a listing where the seller wants me to list their home on special websites as a Victorian home. We are priced at 225 and uh, it is in need of some work. Um, it is a dual zoning of sorts. So could uh, could be an office. Is that, am I reading that right? Dual zoning yeah. of sorts. Could be an office. I mean, it's better to list that uh, list that with work that needs to be completed and that is close to local businesses. How do you handle? So basically, it sounds like they have multiple options. Chris, is that what I'm reading? Yeah, I think they, they. I mean, it's a it's it's a Victorian home, but it must be dual zoning. So it must be you know. Do you sell it as a single family or do you try to sell it as an office, I guess? Right. And uh, and they want them to list. Uh, let's, let's start with the first thing. So listing your home on special websites. So there is. I mean, you can find all these websites all over, um, you know, Victorian homes, you know, that would, I mean, cover every Victorian home in the United States. Well, it might not cover, you know, Burnsville, Minnesota, you know, or it's going to cover Burnsville, Minnesota, but typically – people looking for a Victorian home can, I mean, <laughs> I just don't think they're going to go to that individual Victorian listing uh, home, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot because the one thing that we have that's super powerful is a thing called the MLS system that syndicates to everything. Um, yep. That's where Zillow gets their information. We're truly at realtor.com. Everyone gets their information from the MLS. And so, um, and those Victorian homes, you know, would get the same thing, but you might want to uh, be able to, it, it it fluffs it up a little, but I'll tell you what, I think the fluff is the part that um, do the things that work. You know, I mean, you're at a price range, you're at 225. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's dual zoning, it must be real close to other businesses. And so it's, it's probably the, the typical house that's right in the middle of uh, a downtown that happened, you know, and it looks sure. an older house and then they expanded. And this is probably next door. So yeah, like that house that might be right on Main Street USA, right? That has a restaurant on one side and a flower shop on the other, and uh, you can make it an insurance, a lawyer's office, a dentist office, whatever. Yeah. Um. But you know the um, the Victorian home. I think that the reason why they really on that question that individual punched that question with Victorian is because it, there's not really a category per se to find just Victorian um, era and style of homes. So they may, you know, and there are websites, Chris, that are historical, you know, for sale, um, which I know you're aware of. And, and um, so I think they're just, you know, do you need to be on those specialty websites? Because what that essentially is saying is that they want to, most of those have to pay unless you're for sale by owner. So real estate agents, a lot of times may have to pay. And so that the, if your agent is being hesitant, um, it, it may be because they have a limited um, budget for your advertising, you know. It, it might also be because they don't think it'll work, you right. know. I think, and if you start doing that, I mean, and it, it looks like this need, is in need of some work. Well, you got to do the work. I mean, I don't think people are just saying, hey, let's go find a Victorian home and then they'll move to anywhere that that Victorian home is. Right. Probably that Victorian thing to get 
ideas on how to redo their own Victorian home. Right. But I don't think they're going to go to that website because they're looking at Minneapolis. I mean, Minneapolis typically has that era. So you'd yep. look at an area, then see if it's Victorian. So, well, you know, it'd be a cool project too for a home remodeler that specializes in that era of home. Might also be, you know, interior uh, decorator, uh, design, whatever you want to call it, that would also specialize in that and give them an example to have a, a live show floor if, it, if, if it's quite an extravagant example. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's do this. Let's hit the next question. Isn't it advantage to have a pool or does it not bring any value? Okay. Um, do you want me to start? Yeah. I think it's definitely an advantage to have a pool. Um, how much of an advantage depends on what price point you're at. Is it, um, is it a lifestyle or is it an expense? And I think the more it's an expense, and so typically it's a, at the lower values, um, it becomes an expense and then thus a problem or small kids or you don't know how to take care of it. Because a pool, I mean, if you, if you heat it, you know, and you got to clean it and you got to put chemicals in it, you know, it costs you some money in which right. to be able to do. So in a, a bigger uh, style house, is it becomes a lifestyle and it's an advantage in which to have a pool. I don't think, and you answer this too, I don't, I think there's some enjoyment factor out of this, you know, and sometimes you can do that with a house. You can enjoy it um, yeah. versus thinking everything's going to uh, give you a payback. But I don't think you're ever going to get like dollar for dollar off of a pool. So, so I'm in that exact spot of my life right now where it's like, okay, so you got a kid off at college. You've got one heading off to college. Um, they, they keep asking for, you know, the, the, my daughter specifically loves pools, right? And she wants to have pool parties and whatever. And I'm like trying to explain to her, hey, you're going to be heading off to college. But then I look at it and go, you know what? Um, so if I uplift myself right now and move to water, because I've always wanted to be on water, um, where I can have a boat, not, not just, you know, because right now I live on water now where I look at the pond, there's all kinds of wildlife. It's great. I actually want to go pontooning and fishing and whatever, right? So I look at that and I say, well, or do I, you know, get the feel of a lifestyle of a lake with having the pool? You know, you don't have the fishing there necessarily, but you have the the pool where you can have the entertainment. And, and you don't have things biting you. In the lake, they bite you. Yeah. Go ahead. Or the river. Right. Or, or where you, wherever you are there, there's probably some nice barracuda. I know. I know. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, but you know you get down to the point where you have a um, a uh, situation where I think with pools too, um, the cost of a pool. I've got a, a good client of mine um, just built up in Ham Lake, and they have unlimited space, and so they can do anything they want. Um, they had their their pool going in at about eighty six thousand dollars right now in ground pool, and that's not including landscaping. So they're going to spend about another twenty five to thirty on the landscaping around it to make it look awesome. So, so now you go, okay, so is that million dollar house going to sell for a million one um, when they resell it? But it, it's hard to say because they're going to live there for probably 15, 20 years. Look yeah. at every, in my opinion, every dollar out of that pool versus I am in a situation where I think my value wouldn't increase my value because of the neighborhood mm -hmm. um, because nobody else has pools. And I don't know if somebody would be willing to pay for that or not. I don't know, you know. Right. No, totally. So I think, yeah, there is. It, I think it just depends on price point, but where a pool can be a debt, a bigger detriment too, is if it's in need of repair, because then people just look at it as, as an expense versus gosh, that'd be cool to lay in. Right. Exactly. Yep. So um, kind of going back to our, uh, let's go back to our questions here. 
Um, the, the, um, let's see here. I'm going to have to share screen again. All right. Here, I'll just, I'll just have the uh, questions. I'm going to switch this around here. That's nice. We'll get to run through this. I, yeah, I, yeah. I apologize again. Right. All right. Here we go. So next question. Go ahead. I have a house on a bigger Metro Lake that is semi-renovated, like enameling, et cetera. There's nothing really on the market, but we are wanting to wait until the summer when you can see the lake. Or should we list now with everything that is going on? You know, um, you know, and I know you're you're uh, you do a lot more lakeshore than I do, but I still do quite a bit of uh, lakeshore sales um, because of the price point I kind of you know hang around in, and so for sales, um, where I look at it like this is that when it comes to um, this, there's a, there's a two parts to this question, you know, being semi renovated. Um, and then the other question of it there is, is really what time of the year is the best time to list? Um, I, here's what I would say. I would do some photos now when the trees are not, um, necessarily full of leaves. So you can see everything if it's to your advantage, if it's not to your advantage. So now you can see the neighbor's junk. Um, I probably wouldn't necessarily, um, have that set up like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I like to do seasonal where you show now, and then I would come back again in a couple of weeks when everything looks beautiful. You've got the beach raked out. Perfect. It's a 70 degree day and sunny, and you can really sell the lifestyle because a lot of times when we sell Lakeshore, Chris, I know you do the same thing. We have videos and we have, um, uh, different, um, you know, uh, tools that we use that really help us emphasize selling the lifestyle. Well, I'll tell you what, if you, to me, it's like, you know, if it's semi-renovated and you're not selling, I mean, I always talk, call it a blue and green time, just like my picture behind there. You see green trees and you see blue water and, and sun. It just looks a lot better. Yeah. And I think when I was reading into that question is that they've done some updates, but maybe they can't just hold their own by those updates. They need the water to be able to focus on. Yeah, um, so that might be that might be something in question, but they're right. They are 100% correct that there's not much on the market right now in the lakeshore. And there's a lot of people that are looking for that. Uh -huh. So I would, you know, depend on the lake, I, you know, and where the price point is, I would really think about that hard. I would. Really so what do you think about the, uh, the, 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 the condition of the remodel? So they were trying to tell you that it was semi remodeled. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that means that they want you to not focus on what they didn't do by having the, the lake, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like to me, there was, uh, it's almost like, a, uh, it's almost done. Should we wait until the summer? So it really emphasizes what's, what the property is all about. So you're not emphasizing what is not completed. Yeah. I think is kind of the question maybe. Or the, the lot, the lot's more impressive than what the house is, but the house isn't horrible. Yeah. You know, and and at this point, I mean, on a lake, the the lot, the terrain, um, all of that is a big makes a big difference uh, when you're selling. But you also got to know when. I mean, everyone lists their house when it's nice out. You know, yeah. if there's not a lot of houses out, and people want to be able to get on and enjoy the summer, because I'll tell you, that's what happens. People sit and wait, and then that's why a lot of lakeshore closes in the fall because they're like, okay, well, that's good, but let's see if something else comes on. Then they wait, wait, wait. Then all of a sudden, okay, now we'll, we'll buy it. It's July. We don't close till September. The boat's off the lake. So there's some people that missed it again last fall, 
you know, even in the winter, sometimes it's a good chance because it's like, I'm not, I'm not missing again. I want to get on that lake and I want to be able to use it. And I want to be on the water, you know, by July one. And I think even now more, I mean, if you think about the stay at home or shelter in place or whatever you want to call it, you know, would you, wouldn't you rather be sheltered in place on a lake? You know, and I think people are starting to realize that. And I, well, I, I would really consider putting it on. That's yeah. My, my daughter, I, I, she was showing me some of these people that are, you know, sheltered in place down in, in Florida where they're, you know, oh, it's horrible sitting by my pool all day long and just not going to work. And it's like, jerks. You, you, <laughs> yeah, jerks. Great, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it uh, for sure you're seeing a lot of things happening right now. And uh, that that is a, a big one that, you know, it, there's a lot of people with their eyeballs out there watching. And I always say, be very careful what you post because, you know, those eyeballs are watching and they remember. And, uh, you know. We should probably think about that. We yeah. yeah. Now our egos right. are way too big for this. We uh we we Next question. Anyway, all right, let's jump back at this uh third God, I can't be I will go to school between now and next week and uh I'm going to figure this out, Chris. Hey, it's all those showtime again. You know, hang on, hang oh, on. Two, all right, buddy. I have a stuck at home. Should I have a moisture test prior to putting it on the market? Um, my answer is, uh, always, always, almost always. Yes. And maybe sometimes if it's just stuck on the front, yep, not as much, maybe, um, unless there's some signs of it, but people have a perception of a stuck at home. If you can get them past that. And the other thing is, is that if you do have a problem, you don't want to have to deal with it when you're, um, at a disadvantage. You want to know at the beginning what it is so everyone knows what they're getting into uh, when they're purchasing it. And if even if there's, you know, we've had some that had, had big problems, um, opened up stuff, found out there wasn't as big as a problem. We've had sometimes that, hey, there's a couple little spots that buyers have accepted as long as they know about it. But if they do an inspection and have that moisture test, they're 100% going to negotiate with you. Yeah, I, I and I'm proactive too. I think that, you know, the Unfortunate part about stucco, um, I think there was as many brick homes that were affected with this too. Um, back in the day, we yes. had that where there was that flashing issue that we were having where um, the cities were enforcing codes. And this is where I don't want to get into this conversation with the inspectors, but some of the bigger cities like Woodbury were having people flash around their windows. So the, the stuff that stops the water from going down was being flashed according to the way they interpreted the international building codes. And what happened was they were flashing them incorrectly, R regardless of the builder's arguments or not, they were forcing the, the city was enforcing the law of the way they interpret it. And anyway, there was literally hundreds of houses that were flashed incorrectly and had millions of dollars of issues. And here's what I, I you know, I had a, this Tim um, was an advanced stucco. I think I used to work with years ago and back when we used to do a lot of stucco on new houses or the EFES they'd call it, you know, that, that uh, artificial kind of looking stuff. But he would say, here's the problem. He goes, the products aren't what's wrong. He goes, stucco, you know, you look at houses in Austria that have been around for 200 years and they have the original stucco still on the house. It's not the stucco that's failing. It's right. the water getting behind it that's failing. And so now you have, you know, and the water, house not breathing. Correct. Breathe, it's stuck. Yeah. So they, the, the water comes in, gets in through that window and now it's below the window down here below it. And it's trapped. 
and then the sun comes and the sun hits it. And that moisture wants to go towards the heat because that's, you know, it follows the vapor and it's trying to push through and it has nowhere to go. So now you have water bouncing around inside your walls. And then when winter comes, it tries to get in your house this way. That's why they have the vapor barrier on the inside of your house. And in the meantime, your wall rots out and, and it's an issue. And so, I mean, I had a couple of my houses over in Blaine on the TPC golf course I've listed over the years where they have to rip the whole back of the house off where they were on the course and they had to do stucco on the back, just like the front. And I'm talking $80,000 a house. I mean, just for ripping off the stucco, replacing the windows, reframing the walls. And anyway, so to answer that question in a, in a long way around the whole building uh, kind of way, stucco has a bad reputation for, I think, the wrong reasons. And same with brick. And, I, and some of those brick facades were the same. And now they're doing things like you'll see down on the bottom of the brick, like right before it hits your driveway, you'll see like they have these wicking cords that hang out. That was an attempt to get the water to wick out that cord and just get out from behind that, that area. So they're doing things now and they, and they do it differently. Now, again, they also will hold um, the stone up two and a half inches or more so that there's space for the water to exit the, uh, that area. Um, and to keep it away from the landscaping. Yeah. That's what another, a lot of people did. They landscaped up and over that stucco and then the moisture would come from the bottom up. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, when you look at that and you say, you know, um, and, and I, I, like I said, I feel bad for all the, the artists that were in the, the stucco business, man, because that is, you have to be an artist and, and to put that down properly, make it look good. And um, I used to love it. I thought it was oh, one yeah. of the nicest, cleanest looking surfaces. I still think it is. And people are always like, when I list their house, they'll say, man, you know, oh, I've got a stucco house and I'm all worried about it. And I'm like, hey, I love stucco, man. We just like that. Like the question said, should we test it ahead of time? Now yeah. I say, yes, be proactive. Yeah. I don't and then think have that test available. That it looks good. I mean, if it's cleaned up and it looks, I mean, stucco is a very nice uh, uh, material to be able to put on a house. It's just that if it's, if it gets caught behind it, it's got this, you know, perception that, oh my gosh, we're going to have mold. And that's just, that's just not the case. But then you go to Minneapolis and it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. It's stucco, you know, but that breathes so much better. Even if water gets behind it, you know, it's, it's right. breathing, being able to get in and out. So, well, you know, and usually, you know, if you listen to some of these building officials and inspectors that we've dealt with over the years, they always say, if you leave the older house the way it is, you know, where, you know, you pull the couch in a foot from the wall in the winter, cause it's cool. Well, that's because the house is breathing. I mean, you're getting that fresh air in, not because you want it to, it's because they didn't know how to hold it out before. And now our newer houses actually hold that all out. And we have the challenge of, you know, um, okay, so you hold it out. It can't get out. It can't get in. You're basically living in a Tupperware bowl. And so now we have to mechanically exchange the air. So then they make us put air exchangers in the houses and then people unplug them. And then they don't understand why their bathrooms are moldy. And it's like, so there, there's a reason, a rhyme to the, to the reason every time they do that, that I would say spend the time when you're buying a house to find a building official or a, a home inspector that knows why the house was designed the way it was so they can explain it to you to say, hey, here's how your house can be the healthiest, right? This air exchanger should be running. And here's, here's a recommended chart that during the year you should follow for, you know, servicing and maintaining things. And because it, it's important. I think that some people just think, hey, here's another electric device running. Unplug. I don't want to pay the money to run it. I don't know what it is. True. True, true. All right. Why don't you read your last question? Do you have it in front of you? I could get it. I could find it. I got it. All right. Uh, my mother passed away and we need, not my mother, my mother's very healthy. Um, 
the question is, my mother passed away and we need to sell her house, but it is a mess. Should we just have an investor come out and buy it? Okay. Well, I mean, I think our airwaves have been uh, populated with uh, agents saying they're going to buy everyone's house and, uh, you know, it's a guaranteed sale and it's a done done deal. Uh, there's We Buy Ugly Houses. There's uh, uh, formerly uh, Zillow and uh, Redfin and all those guys would buy the house. They've all stopped um, doing that uh, during this time. But I'll tell you what, I think you can find because it doesn't happen a lot anymore. If you have one of those houses and like I said, cleaning up, it's a mess. If the biggest thing is just getting everything out and cleaning as good as you can and not adding more to it. Because I think sometimes what happens, Andy, is people get, they inherit something and they don't have the money to put into it. They don't know what to do. And it's just like, just get rid of it. But have an agent come out and tell you, you know, because there's, you might get a lot more than you ever thought you were going to get. You know, it depends on what the opportunity is, but there's a lot of um, flippers out there, investors out there that uh, are dying for that kind of stuff. And we've, yeah. we've got, we used to talk about this all the time. We did. Yeah, this is one of my hot buttons because I think it's it's a predatory business practice in a lot of cases where, um, you know, they come across as being an agent or being someone that we make it so easy. We'll even hug your grandma as she leaves the home. And then you know, you can come through and take anything you want. Whatever you don't want, we'll clean it up for you. It's come on. The, the, instead of, you know, think of it this way. Let's say you have to pay somebody two grand to clean mom's house out, five grand to clean mom's house out. Well, triple that for what they're going to charge you based on your their offer. The other thing is, is that when they make you an offer, if you think they're going to offer you anything other than wholesale, which basically means you're leaving money on the table because you don't want to vacuum or you don't want to paint the house or you don't want to, and I'm telling you, I get it. There are situations where, um, let me let me back up. If you call me and you say, hey, this house is in horrible condition, and and same thing with you, Chris, they call you and say, hey, it, it just needs a lot of help. What's the first thing agents like you and I do? Number one, we'd refer them to a contractor that maybe be able to defer the, the cost until closing, or like a lot of times, I'll refer them to contractors that I've worked with that I trust that have a track record of proving that they don't screw my clients. I want fair offers. I understand they have to make a profit, but I also want to have a trusted source to buy that house. And so, you know, it, it's, um, I have contractors, you have contractors, everybody's got a few buyers, investors in their back pocket that will make an offer on a house. But here's what I'm telling you guys, nobody will pay you more than the consumer. Period. You put that house up for sale and you have a $300,000 house and the investor offers you one ninety, um, but you don't have to do anything. And you put that house on the MLS, you spend, let's say five grand or like Chris, I know you have a program where you fund sometimes the, the clean outs or the home improvements, which, you know, I think is a great idea. And I think I would be interested in doing the same thing if I ever had the opportunity, um, you know, to help somebody out because that five or 10 grand they spend, all of a sudden now their offer is two seventy five instead of one ninety. I mean, right? Totally. And I think uh, what I've found and why I started that program was because there's a lot of people that just, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to do it. When the reality was they just didn't have the money in which yeah. to be able to do it. And uh, my program is, is that if I recommend it, that I will borrow um, them the money uh, during the listing period to be able to get that. And people have made thousands and thousands of dollars more. 
Well, that, that, but that goes to show your value statement, right, Chris? I mean, you put so much value on having those little things done that can make somebody, when they walk in the door, instead of saying, ooh, they say, hey, we can fix this. It's not disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. we, can, we can do this. You know, we, this is just, you know, it's a, it's a baby blue toilet and sink and, and what, we can fix that. Or maybe they want to keep it. You know, so I think there's an audience out there. Um, when, you, when you go to the, the retail market versus the wholesale market, I think retail, um, it may, I think there's this false illusion that there's so much that has to be done to get ready to sell. It, it doesn't. It just, it, it's all about your expectations as a seller. And, you know, hey, if you want to sell at wholesale and you're willing to take a wholesale price, those kind of companies that were out there, um, obviously there was, you know, it was like 0.03% of our marketplace that um, was, was taking advantage of that. But most people have a significant amount of their net worth in their homes believe it or not, because they don't, they haven't had a chance to do a lot of retirement savings and they sell that house for 300 and they got it paid off and that's 300 grand they have in their in their bank account now. So I don't know, I'm always the kind of the Robin Hood uh, trying to, you know, I don't want to say rob the rich to give to the poor, but I'm always out for the underdog, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think too that, you know, sometimes I think people believe that, you know, a realtor is going to come in and try to make them spend 80 grand to make 50. And that's just not, not the case. I mean, my my program that I've done, I don't know, I've probably done it 15 times. Um, it's maybe between five and 20 grand typically, and yep. then make between 20 and 50 grand. I mean, yeah. it's a big difference, you know. And uh, and plus, you don't I would even I would even say that it's probably more realize it because if you don't do that stuff, people look at it and say, okay, if you don't do um the carpet, they always think it's twice as much as it really is. Yeah. That off your price, so I would. Um, that's why I always say, whatever you think it would cost you, triple it, because yeah. that's in the eyes of the consumer um, what they what they think it's worth. But they if they have to do it, then they have to manage it and they have to do everything. You know, it's just like all these people that buy these houses and guarantee them; they're taking a risk. They should make that money. Yeah, you know. So I don't I don't blame them for that. You know, if people want to do it, they do it. But um, you know, do you want to realize so, more? So but, let me ask. You. Yeah, I was going to say, let me ask you a question. Do the math backwards for people, right? Let's reverse engineer this. Um, people, when when you have a $300,000 retail value home and you say, okay, we need $60,000 worth of repairs and they want a fair markup on that house, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, in, in the business I've seen, they want to see a 20 to 30% ROI on their investment. So all in, they want to make, you know, 80, 90,000 on top of the 60. So do the math. You start at 300. You back out the 90, you back out another 60, and that's realistically what some of those offers are coming in at. If you're selling a house that's an easy flip and they're doing it for 12%, you're still paying 5% more on a house to sell it, to flip it quick. And I'm telling you right now, I'm getting offers in days. Even in today's crazy market, we're listing houses and we're getting offers, Chris, in days. It's not, it's not, don't follow the news. It's bull. It, the market right now is hot and people want to buy houses and they are moving. And anyway. We did have a couple internet questions here, uh, or internet, uh, Facebook. Um, we have a question here that says, does your 1970s beach scene wallpaper behind you hurt your home value? <laughs> 1970s? Are they kidding me? <laughs> Let me, hold on. Just, you guys, you don't like that. Why don't I bring it back to here? Here we go. There we go. You're oh, I go where, Montana? I'm on a golf course now. With trees, yeah. Up. Yep. 
I'm uh, I, I don't change my backgrounds. I shamelessly plug the entire show. <laughs> you know what's it's interesting. I have a green screen at my house, and so yeah, I can kind of do whatever I be wherever I want to be. That's cool, man. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that but that beach scene, yeah, would give you lots of value. Absolutely. Hey, okay, so uh, we got a question here from our friend Georgia. She asks, uh, "What would you do when a seller wants to list higher than the market value?" Second part of the question is, plus, it's not in the best condition it could be because of a tenant that's occupying. Oh, there's a there's the the tenant, the tenant. I'll tell you what, tenants uh, uh, give them a benefit to get it sold. Yeah, you know what I mean. You don't. So I mean, what's the last thing a tenant wants to do? They want to. They don't want to move. You know, they. I mean, if they if they're good and they show it really nice, the house sells and then they have to move. So it's not a good scenario. But maybe you put in something like, hey, you know what? During the listing period, as long as you accept all the um, showings within a 24 hour period, we'll reduce your rent this much. And then, you know, if it sells, we'll give you this much money in which to be able to relocate. Something like that. I mean, we'll save you thousands of dollars. Thousands. Well, tenant law, you know, and that's that's what's interesting too is that tenant law rides above real estate. So you could sell that house, and that individual can hold up their lease and say, "Hey, listen, I've got a lease on this place for two more years, signed by everybody involved, and I'm going to stay put." And so you're right, Chris. How about this, Andy? How about hey, the tenant's going to be out of there. It's it's perfect. The end of July, we'll close August first. Well, the tenant doesn't leave. You know, you got to you got to kick out that tenant has rights to stay there. They don't have to leave. You right. know? So it's a uh, it's a very um, I'll tell you one. If it's a tenant uh, overpriced with a tenant is, oh, my gosh, overpriced without a tenant helps a little better. I mean, if I if I have rental properties and I'm trying to get out so people have a, an easy way to get in and yeah. access that house and not have a problem, because I'm telling you, um, for a lot of people, you know, um, it, it hurts way more. The value of the house is there's someone in there that doesn't want the house sold. Well, you know, the, the, I hate to say it, but you know, it depends on how the tenant's experience has been with you as an owner as well. So if you're not the best landlord and you don't fix things, guess what that renter is going to tell that person come through that house? Well, you know, the bathtub leaks every time you use it and it drips right through that vent up there. And, you know, I mean, all of a sudden they're telling all the dirty lot and not that you wouldn't disclose it or fix it anyway, but I think what it does is it doesn't paint the picture of somebody wanting to live there. And usually most tenants I've had um, don't take quite the same care that an owner would. So there is the carpets are a little dirtier. There's sometimes a little more wear and tear kind of on the house that, um, you, you know, you as an owner would try to preserve the condition of those items. And, you know, it, it just, it's kind of the way it goes. So, I've always suggested, as scary as it is, to get the tenant out of the house um, before we even list it, because then you're not going to get a resistance on showings. You're not going to have all those ugly, you know, what if scenario stories that we've just talked about. Um, but if you can't, one of the things I would say is this, um, incentivizing, like you just said, Chris, that that showing the renter to say, listen, I'll, I'll swipe 50 bucks off your rent this month for letting us do a showing on your whatever. And then literally incentivizing them to get out of the house, ask them not to be present during the showings and be crystal clear about that. Because otherwise I've been to, um, with investors, I've helped them buy smaller apartment buildings where um, they set it up and it takes a couple of days to coordinate with everybody. And then you go out to the apartment, everybody's home. And it's so awkward. You're like walking through 
all these units to try to see if there's holes in the walls or broken windows. And there's people, you know, sitting there trying to eat dinner, you know, so it's, 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 it's crazy. Un, it's uncomfortable, but it's very rewarding for the investor because they find out everything that's wrong with it. It's like Andy owns his home and, you know, Andy never comes out here and, you know, they had trees falling on the roof and didn't do nothing about it. He, he patched this and he did that. I mean, total ammunition to go after a lot lower price for Andy. Yeah. So. Um, all right, Chris, uh, Darcy asked, Chris, where are you? It does not look like Minnesota. Uh, yes, I've been Prior Lake. So, you know, I just keep- <laughs> little, it, I got to be honest with you. It's just a little nicer. The sun is a little hotter here and uh, the trees are a little greener. And uh, there you go. Now I'm going to the desert. Uh, Darcy, you mom and dad, so. you've uh, unleashed the beast here with technology. Yeah, we can see it. We can see it. Okay. I got. I'm kind of big. I fill this screen up. He's, he's like he's swerving. <laughs> um, all right, we got another question here, um, or actually a comment from Stacy. She says, "This is a seller's market!" Exclamation point. Um, I am working with a buyer who lost out on three quality offers. We are competing with um, multiple uh, offers on all properties we are viewing at this time. This is the time to list. And I know Stacy is a fantastic agent you've worked with over the years. You guys partner on a lot of stuff too. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy uh, what things are going for. And I think uh, I've been hearing that from other people too. And they're, I mean, people are losing out. There's, I mean, one they had... In the first two days, 18 showings, eight offers. Yep. You know, so yeah, it's it's still happening out there. There's just not a lot out there. And I think that's what's kept our pricing. You know, and actually the price have gone up. <laughs> so everyone thought, oh, it's gonna get killed, and it's not at all. Well, I think you and I have talked about this last couple shows that you know, everybody's like, Well, this this uh you know, virus uh economy challenge we're having will obviously destroy housing. And people are like, What are you talking about? Housing is in so high demand. I think I think what you're going to see is actually, in my opinion, right now with the credit, um, you know, uh, limits being uh, put a little higher, you may see less people that are qualified, which will take pressure off those markets. But I'm telling you, man, there are so many people that want houses and they want to take advantage of these great rates. And they know that this is going to, you know, have an end. It's not, this isn't the new normal forever. This is a, a thing we're going through. And on the other side, once people get their confidence back, some of the people are still confident. That's why they're buying in an odd time versus the people that are, you know, um, you know, cautious are waiting. And then there's going to be a thousand people fighting for the same house again. So I think this fall is going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to be in a, in a, in a buyer's market, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to find a house. But I th- also think there is other markets that are getting hit too pretty good right now. And so we have to kind of watch out for that <laughs> because that could be a, a, a trickle down effect. And, uh, you know, it's it's all about consumer confidence, and you got to be uh, confident to, you know, be able to go out, get out there and, and buy stuff. Um, but I think because of the inventory staying low right now, it, it's really helped um, our market stay stable. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, I think there's a lot of you know um, a lot of good things that are happening out there, and I always try to, like I say, I try to look for that sunshine between the clouds sometimes in the storm. You know, and um, I'm seeing a lot of. Uh, I've never seen things happen this fast and hopefully it's this fast going the other way too. Um, But like I said, housing hasn't been affected guys. If you're watching this, I'm telling you um, my new construction crews, we've got seven framing crews out full time busy. We're booked through the end of December. Um, 
I mean, those guys are raising their prices. It's not like they're sitting at home on their thumbs. I mean, some of the nationals have pulled back, you know, the because they're Wall Street. Their money comes from uh, Wall Street. What's happened in the stock market the last two weeks? So they have to follow the stock market. So um, local builders and local companies, that's why I love them. And that's why I support them as much as I do. The local family-owned businesses are still providing value. And they're they're out there building houses and, and doing it at a fair price. And, you know, because I was thinking about this too, you know, that with interest as low as it is, interest rates, um, you, you, you live in your payment, not the price. So even if you psychologically are like, man, that $450,000 house, it's 50,000 more than I wanted to spend, but it's on the perfect lot. It has everything my family needs and you run the numbers on it. A lot of times it's not that big of a difference from where you thought it was going to be anyway. The, the payments are just very favorable. So, right. Yeah. Well, okay. Sorry. Well, I think we're at, we're at 8 a.m. We always try to close before that. So I think we're good. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for tuning in, all of you watching us live. And then um, if you don't mind, here's a, a quick favor for Chris and I. We're trying to grow the audience. So we're going to change the time next week to 8 o'clock. Feel free to share this video. Help us get some likes on the page because um, we're just – we're trying to have an organic, honest real estate show um, that is is live and weekly and, and uh, relevant to what's happening in the marketplace. We love when agents are involved. Um, we want more agents, more mortgage companies. If you have guest suggestions for us too, um, we'd love to interview those people that are movers and shakers doing good things. So, um, And you'll never know where I'll be next week. I'm sure we do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. See you, buddy. Everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.